This is the intersection. The intersection. This is the Intersection Podcast, recorded Thursday, the 25th of January, 2018. Episode 28. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Welcome to The Intersection, the podcast that bridges together the worlds of tech and pop culture. And I hope you guys have had a good week and thanks again for joining us. I wanted to uh, jump straight into um, this week's sort of discussions. Um, First of all, I'm going to have a bit of a rant. And um, my rant is going to be about the Academy Awards, the Oscars. Um, Now, I'm a massive film fan, massive film fan. I love cinema. You guys probably, you know. You probably realize that by now. And um, I remember once upon a time, um, you know, I always used to look forward to the Oscar nominations because I always used to look forward to the Oscars. So the Oscars this year are in March, I think early March. And I always used to stay up and sort of watch the coverage on the BBC. And, uh, you know, and uh, I have my sort of my, my, my picks on the list and, and to see whether the films I thought were worthy of of, of, of the of the uh, statuette, um, well, you know, won the award. And um and also the filmmakers and and um i you know i used to do this every year always used to look forward to it always used to roll into work the next day knackered or going back even further on to school the next day knackered but i i loved the experience because i'm a fan of the movies now i don't watch the oscars anymore um because they're a complete joke um they're too political it's just um a bunch of um politically correct lovies patting each other on the back um and it's meaningless because as far as i'm aware um as far as i'm concerned the right filmmakers and the right motion pictures do not get awarded it's normally just a popularity contest or the academy patting themselves on the back trying to make some sort of point normally some sort of social point um and I've become increasingly frustrated with the Oscars and I don't bother anymore. You know what? I don't watch it. I cannot be bothered. And there's very few filmmakers in the inner circle who always seem to win these awards that I actually respect. Um, so I'm not, I'm not bothered about it anymore, to be perfectly honest. But um, I couldn't help but catch the news um, this this Tuesday of the, um, the round of nominations for the Oscars this year. And I'm not going to go into it because I don't think it's worthy of of discussion. But I will pick out a couple of things that sort of irritated me. First of all, um, you know, um, the the low budget horror film Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele, um, that that, that's always received a bit of critical acclaim. And that has actually received an unprecedented four nominations. And these are major categories. Um, for a horror film, which is unheard of. Yeah, it's unheard of because normally horror as a genre is largely ignored by the Academy. Um, and this one is, it's just swept the board. Um, and the reason why it's worthy of discussion, not necessarily worthy of nomination is because, um, 
for some strange reason, people think Get Out is a really smart movie. They seem to think that it's um, a, a, a movie um, that's making some sort of um, social and commentary about uh, race relations or, 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 or cultural appropriation or even mixed race relationships. I don't know what it's, it's trying to say, but apparently it's really important. And I myself, as a black man who has seen that movie, mainly I made an effort to see that movie because of all the hype around it. I just don't get it. I don't think the movie knows what it's trying to say. I think the movie is intriguing, the first two acts, and then completely loses the plot towards the end when the so-called twist manifests. Um, and I just don't think that this is a picture worthy of discussion to the extent it's received, let alone worthy of nominations for Best Picture, um, Best Actor. I mean, for goodness sake, the lead Best Actor? I mean, he's okay in it, but best, really? Best actor? Right. Must have been a slow year. Um, best director and a best original screenplay. Um, now, normally, as a black man, I'll say it again, I'll be incredibly supportive of um, black filmmakers being recognized by the Academy. I don't think they are most of the time. But this kind of irritates me how we have a black director nominated for best original well best director and obviously had a hand in the writing best original screenplay for something that i feel is completely overrated and i feel doesn't really have anything important to say and i don't particularly think it's a good piece of work and there's so many movies made by black filmmakers black directors black writer directors that get largely ignored and you know, the Academy is are, are using these nominations to pat themselves in the back, you know, um, to say, oh, we've gotten over the Oscars so white um, controversy of a couple of years ago. Look at us. Aren't we doing well? Aren't we inclusive? No, this is the wrong movie to make a point with. Get Out is completely and utterly overrated. I don't even think it's that original. You know, um, I don't know if you guys have seen The Skeleton Key, which came out in... 2005 now I, I didn't watch that movie i didn't catch that movie at the time but um my other half said to me after we watched get out you know what this really reminds me of skeleton key and i'm thinking and i think kate hudson's in that movie and i'm thinking okay well let's see what this is about and i enjoyed the skeleton key when i watched it with her i thought it was good i thought it was quite smart film and as a horror movie it was actually far more intelligent than get out and I can see where they come. Well, where she was coming from by saying this reminded uh, Get Out reminded her of this. It's ex it's pretty much the same. The twist and the structure of which in which the twists unfold and and um I mean okay let me, let me reiterate. So I mean this is what happens. So both films are essentially set in the South America, the Deep South. Okay, both involve um, a conspiracy which unfolds you know it's basically a mystery that unfolds um during the course of the film and obviously the twist at the end reveals things so in the case of get out 
it's the fact that um, this 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 kooky um, this kooky uh, neighborhood and, and and this kooky family who we introduced to um, essentially are using uh, the bodies of black people. Um, and obviously the, um, the strengths and the gifts attributed to black people, you know, um, athleticism, etc., etc. I mean, I'm not even sure what point the film is trying to make, to be quite honest. But um, they're, they're using this to um, um, essentially use their bodies to live on. So when they get to a certain age, if they're struck down with illness, there's this weird and wacky procedure in which, um, you know, they can... Um, their personality or their consciousness can be placed into... Uh, the bodies of um, the black people in in the neighborhood or who um, essentially get um, abducted once they visit the neighborhood. And obviously the protagonist is the boyfriend of the white girl in the movie. So the young black guy is the protagonist and he basically unearths this conspiracy. So there we have it. Kooky neighborhood, kooky family. Same thing in Skeleton Key. You've got Kate Hudson's character, who's essentially a carer, um, goes to work for this kooky family in a kooky neighborhood. And um, the, the, the main difference is that she finds out that um, the people she's working for, the person she's caring for, or that person's husband, aren't exactly the people that they say they are or are, are pretending to be. We have the same situation where there's essentially a body swap um, except this one involves voodoo and then except the antagonists in this one are actually um, a black couple who in the past were servants who were mistreated who wanted revenge on the white family that mistreated them um, and essentially did some you know Hollywood style voodoo to basically um, inhabit the children um, of that white family um, that they worked for so the heirs so to speak um, inhabit their bodies and essentially um, run the household. So inherit the household and run the household. And the idea is when the bodies they inhabit become no good, they become old, they become frail, they um, attract people to the house and they, you know, they repeat the same procedure, rinse and repeat. Um, so as you can see, the crux of the movies, it, it's exactly the same. And <laughs> all of a sudden, Get Out isn't quite as original as everyone's making it out to be um and and it just goes to show this is more about politics um than about um artistic merit um and and, and it just frustrates me to no end um it, it really does um and i so um that 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 that, that kind of ticks me off so i'm not going to go on too much about that but, but another thing that ticked me off is the might certain studios have in terms of influencing nominations. Now, what I thought was the worst Star Wars movie of all time, The Last Jedi, has received a ton of nominations. Um, and, you know, the usual best visual effects, which I don't think is the case, and best best sound editing, etc., etc. Um, and um, what annoyed me the most, and this is this is a little difficult for me because... I respect them so much. So the last year I got four nominations, right? Four nominations. And what annoyed me the most about one of them, so was original, so um, visual effects, I don't necessarily think it's the best visual effects. I think Blade Runner deserves the Oscar for that and hopefully Blade Runner 2049 wins. Uh, sound editing and sound mixing, which is powerful, of course, when it comes to Star Wars. 
but best original score john williams now i like john williams i've got nothing but respect for john williams i love john williams's work i mean the guy brought the themes to superman and indiana jones and jaws and obviously star wars and etc but the last jedi got nominated for best score now tell me that that's that's not because disney are, are pulling the strings here because john john williams's score for the last jedi was very forgettable not particularly epic most of the themes are those that were introduced in the force awakens i'm thinking of the key themes such as um, kylo ren's and, and ray's the the newest piece of music or the most significant piece of music that, that's new in the last jedi is rose's theme and rose's theme is essentially a ripoff of the theme in that old movie my girl you know that one macaulay culkin and, and, and that girl yeah uh, if you listen to the theme in that movie it sounds exactly the same as rose's theme and i'm not saying john williams ripped it off i'm saying that it's so generic and so by the numbers and so safe it's not worthy of a nomination now I know the way John Williams approaches his music is that he compose, composes based on visuals, so based on what's going on. So he normally sees an early cut of the movie, and, and, and that's how he works. And there wasn't much going on in The Last Jedi, so I won't hold, <laughs> hold it against him too much. But it just astounds me that just because of the Disney con connection, John Williams um, gets a nomination for this movie. Now, he's won his fair share of Oscars, and I think he's got like 50-something nominations. He's got the record, I think, but not for this movie, only because the Disney connection really annoys me. Now, you're probably thinking, well, you know, the Star Wars themes are normally iconic. They're normally really good. They're a significant part of the movies. They drive the movies. Um, they certainly certainly drive the visuals that have been dis displayed to us. And, um, you know, why not? Well, the reason why I'm going to say why not is because the Star Wars prequels were all ignored in terms of uh, the score. John Williams didn't receive a single nomination for any of those prequel movies. We're talking Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Now, if you think about the epic score in those movies, and I don't want to get into an argument about whether you, you think the prequels are good movies or not. I think they, they are. A lot of people don't. I'm not getting into that discussion right now. But how can you tell me scores, the score... You know, pieces of music such as um, Jewel of the Fates, Phantom Menace, Across the Stars, the love theme in, in Attack of the Clones, even Battle of the Heroes in Revenge of the Sith. Those are epic, epic, epic themes. And those get replayed today in all sorts of contexts. I've seen them on commercials. I've seen them on little skits on TV, all sorts. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to a football match and in, in the stadium, you know, in the warm-up to the match, they're playing music. They're playing Jewel of the Fates. Not a single one of those scores from those prequel movies were acknowledged by the Academy. Not a single nomination for John Williams. And tell me that's not political. Because who was at the helm at the time that those movies were released? George Lucas. George Lucas is very much anti-establishment. George Lucas doesn't do things inside the system of Hollywood. He was an independent filmmaker making big budget movies on his own accord not beholden to any of the studios. But because Disney are a big part of Hollywood, Disney pretty much control most things in the entertainment business these days, 
we're getting nominations for things that, well, I think for, in this case, a score that John Williams pretty much phoned in. It's that sort of nonsense that gets under my skin and is probably the main reason why I'm just not bothered with the Oscars anymore. Now, I know last episode we talked a little bit about the rise of the smart speaker and talked about um, the adoption rate of um, smart speakers over the Christmas period and how um, Apple really sort of missed the boat uh, by delaying their HomePod uh, product over that period of time. And um, I did mention that the release of HomePod seemed to be imminent because um, there were signs of units being shipped from um, where they may be basically manufactured in, in China. And um, I think a million or so units were shipped and, and made their way to, to Apple, which normally is the sign of, um, of sort of a larger uh, stock of inventory moving imminently. And indeed, that's what's happened. Apple have actually, uh, since our last episode, announced that the HomePod will be released, will be on sale on February the 9th. That's Friday, February the 9th. And you'll be able to pre-order it this Friday, the 26th of January. Now, initially, it'll only be available for those of us in the UK, lucky we are, uh, the USA and Australia. And it will arrive in non-English speaking countries, namely France and Germany later on in the spring now um other than that apple haven't really told us anything else it um the website hasn't been updated so we say have the same sort of home pod preview as we did when they announced the thing at wwdc um last year early last year and um i mean all, all we're being told is um using your voice it's fun and easy to use works together with an apple music subscription for a breakthrough music experience provides an access to one of the world's largest cloud music libraries siri now actively used on over a half a billion devices not used by half a billion people but devices has developed a deep knowledge of music and understands your preferences and your tastes and with siri homepod can send a message set a timer play a podcast check the news sports traffic and weather and even control a wide range of HomeKit smart accessories and that's pretty much it um we get the usual blurb about it being a superior audio experience um but in terms of actual features and functionality we don't learn much else um well much else from what we already know um so it's a little bit sparse and it's a little bit strange that as I record this, the HomePod is going to be on sale from tomorrow and there are still more questions and answers. Um, I did say um, that one of the key features of HomePod is going to be multi-room audio and stereo. So that's much like what Sonos does now, having everything perfectly in sync when you've got several HomePod speakers and at £319, which it's going to cost us, I'm not sure too many people are going to have several HomePod speakers. Um, but the idea is they will be perfectly in sync um, and, um, you know, you, you essentially can create party atmosphere with HomePods playing music uh, in every room. And you can pair two HomePods together if you want to create um, a wider 
um, stereo experience. Um, now, this is what concerns me because Apple have the only sort of thing they've admitted on their website or have updated the site with is that multi-room audio and stereo pairing for HomePod won't be available at launch. It'll be available some point later on in 2018, which could be up to December. So it concerns me that this product, which is, you know, it, at the price, it's not supposed to compete with the Amazon Echo and the Google Home. It's more akin to the Sonos products, which for a number of years could do multi-room audio and, 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 and could do stereo pairing with its, uh, its smaller speakers. Um, and these features that Sonos have had for several years aren't available on day one. And, and, the HomePod was delayed anyway because that was supposed to be released in December for the Christmas period. So it makes me wonder what is going on at Apple. And um, I, I mean, everything that is being delayed with the HomePod in terms of its feature set has to do with the AirPlay 2 protocol. And I think there's just still working issues out of AirPlay 2. Maybe it's not working so well. I, I don't know. Um, there are some beta releases of iOS uh, that only developers... Um, I don't think they're public beaters yet. Maybe they are. But um, those who beta test can get hold of, and that has AirPlay 2 implemented. Um, but it's still sort of very early, very buggy, very unreliable. Um, and AirPlay 2 is supposed to be an improved version of the original AirPlay, AirPlay protocol, which essentially means sending audio and video wirelessly from um, your Apple or iOS device um, to an AirPlay receiver. And an AirPlay receiver could be a speaker like the HomePod. It could be, for example, the, uh, the Apple TV or, um, or any sort of third-party pro product that, that has uh, AirPlay 2 receivers. Now, this is interesting because, as I said, Sonos have um, a smart speaker product, uh, their first smart speaker product, the Sonos One, O-N-E, which was released uh, late last year, and it was released in time for the Christmas period. And that was sort of around £200. Now, um, th the thing is that um, if you're talking about audio quality and saying that the HomePod um, is, is a high-end audio device, then you're saying that its direct competitor is not, the, like I said, not the Echo, but the Sonos One. Um, now, here's the thing where things get interesting because, the as, as I recall, the HomePod is going on pre-order sale tomorrow um for 319 pounds or 349 us dollars now today the day before tomorrow sonos have made an announcement and they have definitely fired shots at apple and i'll tell you why they fired shots at apple because they have announced a special offer for a limited period of time now we're not sure how limited that limited period of time is where you will be able to um well um, essentially buy two Sonos One speakers for the price of one HomePod. And bearing in mind Sonos One, um, um, so that price actually, before I jump the gun, is $349 US or £349 for two Sonos One speakers, which creates a stereo pair, um, allowing the feature that is not yet ready on HomePod um, pairing and multi-room audio. And obviously Sonos, um, in terms of intelligent assistant, uses uh, Amazon uh, Amazon's Alexa, um, assistant um, and will be able to support Google Assistant in the near future 
More interestingly enough, the, they um, Sonos claim that the Sonos One will support the AirPlay 2 protocol when that's ready. And of course, with Sonos, you can tap into a variety of music services, not just Apple Music, or you can, you can tap into Apple Music, but you can tap into absolutely anything you want. You've got um, Google Play Music, you've got Plex, you've got Spotify, you've got TuneIn Radio, you name it. You've got support for it, Amazon Music, whatever. Um, and again, HomePod just supports Apple Music. So they have definitely fired shots. And, and to quote them, Sonos One sounds incredible on its own, but the ability to have a stereo pair or have music in two rooms versus one, mm, shots fired, at $349 US feels like an easy choice for those who truly love music, said uh, Joy Howard, Chief Marketing Officer at Sonos. We believe in freedom of choice, shots fired, and don't want to lock people into a specific ecosystem, shots fired. Although to be fair, Sonos is pretty much its own ecosystem, but in terms of music services, they have a point. It's why we support more than 80 streaming services globally and will take an agnostic approach to voice assistance as well. Now, an agnostic approach to voice assistance. So, um, I mean, other than Google Assistant and, 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 and Alexa, I would imagine Sonos will probably try and get support for Microsoft's Assistant, Cortana. I'm not sure what they can do there. But yeah, definitely they, they do provide more choice. And with this deal, definitely more value. Um, and then people who, like I said, you can make the argument that the HomePod is a high-end audio device and the Echo and the Google Home are not high-end devices. So when you get the Sonos One, two of them for the price of one HomePod, and Sonos One has got some good sound. I would consider it high-end audio for what it is. Um, who's really going to buy a HomePod? And you know, I was making an argument today with someone saying that, oh, well, as an Apple user, as someone invested in the Apple ecosystem, I know it's not great value, but HomePod will probably be better for me because I can tap into Apple's services much more easily. I mean, I, I, I am an Apple Music subscriber. Um, you know, I use iCloud. Um, but... Then I was immediately told, well, on a second, you can, if you're talking about iCloud and talking about things such as your calendar and your reminders and that sort of thing, you could do that with an Amazon Echo. And I was like, no, you can't. But actually, you can. It requires a little bit of tinkering and setting up, but uh, and it requires two-factor authentication on, on, on your on your part but to set it up. But um, you can um, connect Amazon um, the Amazon Echo or Amazon Alexa, if you've got Sonos One, um, to your iCloud um, calendar and your iCloud reminders so you can then get Alexa to read your, your your schedule to you to make appointments to set reminders all sorts so in that respect it can tap into your Apple services what it can't do is um, tap into um, voice commanded Apple Music I mean you can certainly with a Sonos One access Apple Music using the app but you certainly can't command the, um, the smart speaker um, to play music um, and to suggest music using your voice. In addition to the price, one of the biggest concerns I have with the HomePod is the fact that there doesn't seem to be any support for third-party services. So, um, like I say, you can expand the Amazon Echo or Alexa uh, by installing various skills in which anyone can use those skills. So anyone in your household can say, hey, whatever, 
do this or do that. Um, with the HomePod, that doesn't seem to be the case, apart from using Apple Music and apart from um, iCloud um, functionality for one user. So the HomePod is limited to one main user when it comes to using iCloud to set appointments, um, reminders, that sort of thing. You have to decide who your main user is, although services like Apple Music um, remain accessible to all users in the household. So it also detects and uses um, um, tracks your proximity using your iPhone um to determine whether you're in the household and if you are in the household and, and siri will be happy to read you your your icloud information your appointments etc if you ask um if you're not in the household you're not going to get that functionality you're just going to get apple music and like i said there are no sort of skills available for HomePod. it will use siri kit so siri kit is available on ios 11 it's essentially using Siri commands to control other applications. And I gave the example last week of the banking app. Hey, Siri, pay Jonathan Wildman £1,000. It will tap into your banking app and that's that, as long as you set it up to do so. Now, Siri Kit will work. Um, and theoretically, Siri Kit should be able to work on... Um, Third, other third-party applications, music-based applications. I'm not going to say music services, just in case. But the problem with SiriKit is it relays through your phone. So essentially, your phone needs to be present for SiriKit functionality to work. And that's a big limitation. Now, the reason why I'm being a little bit vague about SiriKit and HomePod is because Apple have given us no examples whatsoever of what SiriKit uh, services will be available uh, to HomePod or, or rather will take advantage of HomePod on at launch. Um, like I said, based on iOS, um, based on the iPhone and the iPad, for example, there are some Siri, Siri Kit services already in place. Um, I gave the example of banking apps. Uber would be another one. You can now command Siri to, uh, to send you an Uber. Um, um, you can now, for example, command Siri to read and send messages through services such as WhatsApp using Siri Kit. So presumably those functions will work in the same way with HomePod. But once again, I must stress that they rely on your iPhone being present. And as HomePod can only have one primary user, I'm assuming that only the primary user will be able to use Siri Kit for now. Although I'm pretty sure Apple could change this um, using voice recognition to identify user uh, training HomePod to recognize voices such as we do with our phones of Hey Siri, etc. Um, and in future, maybe, just maybe, be able to allow for more than one primary user. But it's certainly not ideal within the family environment. Um, the way Amazon Echo deals with such things, um, it allows you to have multiple user accounts and you simply switch accounts. You say to the device, switch account, switch to Jonathan's account, and you continue from there. Um, Google Home is a little bit more sophisticated. Google Home actually does use voice recognition figures out who's speaking to it and then retrieves information based on that particular user um so that's siri kit on the home pod no real examples as i said siri kit there's a siri kit section on apple's developer site let me give some examples of the extensions. Um, I'll read them through just so you can get a rough idea of what you could expect. Um, hey Siri, get me a ride to where and where using my rides app. Um, hey Siri, add eggs and milk to my grocery list in whatever, whatever app. 
Um, hey Siri, send a message to whomever using whatever messaging app. Um, and then there's payments, as I said. Hey Siri, send £100 to John uh, using my whatever banking app. And now there are other things as well. Now there, there, there are um, um, radio apps. So you can say, hey Siri, you know, um, play whatever radio station using TuneIn. And I'm hoping that way we can use services such as TuneIn Radio. But again, I want to be able to have anyone at my place doing this. They want to listen to Smooth FM. They should be able to say, play Smooth FM. My iPhone shouldn't have to be present. And that's what worries me a little bit about this. Um, the same with VoIP services. Now, Apple have said that HomeKit will, um, HomeKit, sorry, HomePod will support, um, will act as a speakerphone for iPhone. But what about other VoIP services? What about Skype, um, you know, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Audio, etc.? You can use SiriKit to um, initiate conversations using those platforms on your iPhone. Will you be able to do that on HomePod? Again, we, had, we don't have any answers to these questions. We just don't know. Home, the HomePod page on Apple's site has no information in terms of services only sort of basic Siri commands. Set me a timer. Who's singing this song? What album is this track from? And that's about it. And that's worrying. We should have a whole list of services. I mean, Apple are late to the game already. And with the developer support and the industry clout that they have, HomePod should have tons of services at launch. And it just seems like a half-baked product. And it does seem like a beta test. The fact that the, the AirPlay 2 protocol hasn't been worked out. The fact that HomePod, you know, it's, it's expensive, very expensive speaker for what it is. Um, can't pair to another one to give you true stereo sound. Um, Multi-room audio is just isn't available yet at launch. It's just, you know, it just seems like um, a, a worse deal every time. And I'm struggling now. I mean, I'm going to try it out, but I'm really struggling based on what we know, to make any recommendations for you all to get up early in the morning or whenever tomorrow and place your pre-orders. I personally don't think stock's going to be an issue. Two colours, white, space grey, um, £319 at that price. I don't think everyone's going to be rushing to buy this thing. Um, but uh, however, if you do want it, I don't think there's going to be any real issues finding it. In fact, according to Apple's uh, press release, availability is going to be pretty much um, widespread. So just to read that to you, um, it's going to be sold in Apple stores and select Apple authorized resellers. Um, they will be sold on the Apple website um, and the Apple Store app and also in um, various uh, third-party stores in the UK including Argos, Dixon's, Carphone Warehouse, which is Curry's PC World, John Lewis, uh, the Shop Direct Group, which includes Varian Littlewoods, EE, which is interesting, they'll probably try to sell it to you on the 24-month contract, and um, other apple premium resellers in the uk so yeah hope finding a home pod shouldn't really be a problem i mean um i, I fully appreciate that um my commentary on home pod seems rather negative um it's not like i said I'm, I'm i'm not no hypocrite i'm gonna buy one myself um i think the issue is as i said before there are more questions than answers um we still don't know en enough about this product. We certainly don't know why 
um, Apple justify um, the high price tag of, the, of this product, particularly in comparison uh, to the price of its competitors. And Tim Cook earlier on this week uh, went on a tour of Canada um, and, he, and he gave an interview to the Canadian Financial Post. And he did actually mention HomePod um, and did attempt to explain um, what gives HomePod, certainly in his eyes, the edge over its competitors. Um, and he, in summary, he claims it's a simple Apple ecosystem. So it's the integration between HomePod hardware and iOS. Um, so to quote him, competition makes us all better and I welcome it. But if you're both trying to license something and compete with your licensees, this is a difficult model and it remains to be seen if it could be successful or not. So he's obviously talking about um, the other products, um, in which case Amazon, Google, um, allowing you access to different services. Um, and the fact that HomePod's only really tied to Apple Music. So he says, talking about sound quality, we think one thing was missing from this market. It was a quality audio experience, a very immersive audio experience. Music deserves that kind of quality as opposed to some kind of squeaky sound. Um, so that's essentially it. I mean, there's, there's nothing else really. There's nothing about how HomePod is going to improve in future or anything more than that. It's all about the sound quality. And, and, and that's really hard to gauge because there's very few journalists out, out there who had access to the HomePod when the, um, it was first released in, um, not released, when it was first announced at WWDC last year. And I mean, that was, um, that was in, when was that? Was that June? WWDC last year? Um, yeah, I believe so. It was June. And so it's been a while. And certainly I would imagine the product has evolved and changed since then. Um, what further work on it has been done. Um, and so very, there's very few sort of, um, hands-on personal impressions of the HomePod out there. Um, apart from a very controlled demo, as I said, and that's, you know, that's not, re not really sufficient to gauge how, how good this thing sounds. So I'm hoping that on Friday when pre-orders open, we're going to get some demo units appearing in some Apple stores and we'll have a chance to go down and hear this thing and, and, and hear how good it really does sound. Now, there has been a single a sort of hands-on um, user impression of the HomePod that was published very recently. It was yesterday, in fact. Um, and that was by a website called Refinery29, which seems to be a lifestyle website. Now, they managed, managed to get a very recent hands-on with the HomePod. And Apple's done this before, where they're now approaching, rather than tech blogs, they've got the tech news covered, but lifestyle blog blogs. Um, they did this with the iPhone 10, And so they've actually had a hands-on experience at the HomePod, and they, they don't go into too much techie detail. And I think that's kind of the point. Um, they... I'm, I'm just sifting through the article, but to, when it gets to the actual impressions of the actual sound quality, um, it does certainly um, sound encouraging. Um, it talks about how the HomePod's uh, quality remains consistently strong. That's due in part to the HomePod's ability to automatically tune to the size of the room you're in without you needing to do any additional setup. Um so um, Sonos have a, a system where it attunes their speakers uh, due to the, based on the acoustics of the room. Um, and um, that's called um, 
TruePlay. And the thing with TruePlay is it has to be set up on an iOS device and you simply have to waft your iPad or your iPhone around the room covering all four walls for it to set up. But the thing with HomePod is that um, with its sensors, it just detects it it, it it scans analyzes the type of room it's in just when you plug the home pod in so you don't have to do any additional work and presumably you can move the home pod from room to room and it will set itself up again um it doesn't go into too much detail this article about um siri and sort of um the the ai side of things it, it talks about obviously the basic commands uh that siri um that siri can interpret and the fact that um, HomePod, again, has to be set up on an iPhone. And the person who sets up with their iCloud account is the person, as I mentioned before, who'll be able to send text messages, reminders, notes via voice command. Everyone else will be able to share use of Apple Music, provided uh, one person has an Apple Music subscription. And obviously, um, smart devices, um, HomeKit devices, are, 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 are covered in terms of giving audio to commands. Um, so size-wise, um, the article claims that the HomePod is actually smaller in person than it appears in photos. Um, size-wise, it's very close to the Sonos one, but that's pretty much what I was expecting, uh, to be quite honest. Um, in terms of sound, um, now I'm quoting uh, what the reviewer said here. When I listened to the speaker next to the Google Home Max, which is Google's premium um, home speaker, smart speaker device, and the latest Amazon Echo and Sonos One, the vocals were consistently crisper and clearer on HomePod. The pluck of guitar string pops and bass notes have the robust thump thump you want from them. And that's about as technical as it gets in terms of a description of the sound from that um, from that blog. But it sounds impressive, I, I guess it's safe to say. Um, a criticism of the HomePod has been, especially in light of this news, that um, a stereo pairing is not available at launch, is that you're stuck with a mono speaker for 300 and almost £350. Um, that's not quite true. Um, it is not quite a mono speaker. Um, it is indeed stereo, um, not in terms of um, sort of a wide stereo um, uh, sound, um, but in terms of, and I'll quote Apple's description themselves, um, place HomePod anywhere in the room, it automatically analyzes acoustics, adjusts the sound based on the speaker's location and separates the music into direct and ambient sound. Direct sound is beamed to the middle of the room, while ambient sound is diffused into left and right channels and bounce off the wall. So we do have separate left and right channels, which means the speaker is not quite a mono speaker. And for those who wanted a more sort of um, technical impression of HomePod, the closest thing we've got are, is, is essentially a group of audiophiles on, um, on Reddit who, I don't know how they've had access, or I don't know what they know about it, but they've certainly looked at the tech, maybe they just looked at the specs of HomePod and Apple's site. Um, and it's come, and they've come to a few conclusions. And I'm, I'm reading some quotes. Um, one says, lots of people online are calling it HomePod overpriced because they think Apple just slapped a bunch of speakers in a circular configuration and added Siri. But the engineering behind it is extremely audiophile niche stuff and does this all automatically with no acoustical setup or technical know-how. Now, to get into more technical information, um, and it, it, certainly, it certainly sounds impressive to me, I'm no audiophile, but it certainly does. Um, 
and printable quotes. So they're using some form of dynamic modeling and likely also current sensing that allows them to have a PP exertion of 20 millimeters in a four inch driver. This is un completely unheard of in the home market. Completely unheard of. Um, the practical upshot is that the uh, the four inch driver can go louder and larger, no, louder than large drivers, sorry, and with significantly less distortion. It's also stuff you typically find in speakers with five figure price tags. Okay, it's a quantum leap over what a typical passive speaker does, and you don't really find it in higher end powered speakers. So that sounds pretty impressive. I admit to you, I don't know what half of that means, um, but it certainly sounds like audiophiles have, have, have looked at the specs, um, looked at the way this thing works. Obviously, they have, the most important thing is hearing it. They haven't heard it yet, um, but it does sound impressive. And maybe if we are blown away by the sound, it makes that £320 price tag a little bit more easier to swallow. Who knows? Like I said, I'm going to get my pre-order in. Um, and I mean, I've been waiting for it, invested in the Apple ecosystem. I hope it doesn't disappoint. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be a bit of a hard sell for Apple, especially now Sonos have, have definitely called some shots um, selling, you know, two speakers for the price of one HomePod. It's going to be a very interesting uh, few days. Let's see what happens. So that's about it for this edition of The Intersection. Thanks again for listening. And are you going to get a HomePod? And if you're going to get a HomePod, why? And if you are going to refrain from get a, getting a HomePod, let me know why also. So you can drop us some feedback. Um, you can email us at feedback at intersectioncast.com or leave us a Skype voicemail um, using the same email address. Our Skype account is feedback at intersectioncast.com. Um, if you haven't subscribed to The Intersection yet, please do so. You can find instructions on our website, which is intersectioncast.com, but you'll find us listed on all major podcast directories, and you'll even be able to listen to us on your HomePod. If social media is your thing, then you can follow us on social media. Facebook, um, you can get to us uh, facebook.com slash intersectioncast. Or if Twitter's your thing, you can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at Let's Intersect. So it's John from Wildman signing off another edition of The Intersection. Thanks again for listening. And until the next time, that's a wrap. The Intersection. The intersection.